Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the vineyard of Naboth as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 41. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And so the guy took off the disguise, and the king of Israel discerned who, that he was one of the prophets, and he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, because you have let go out of your hand the man who I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore thy life shall go for his life, and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went home, and he began to live more carefully from that point on. But he was heavily displeased when he came to Samaria. Now it came to pass after these things that there was a fellow by the name of Naboth who had a vineyard down in the area of Mount Gilboa. And it was an excellent vineyard and it was next to property that Ahab owned and Ahab desired Naboth's vineyard. And so he came to him and he said, I'd like to buy your vineyard, name your price. And Naboth said, hey, it's a family's. If I sell it, uh, then I'm selling that which is the family's property. I don't want to sell you the vineyard. It, uh, it's not for sale. And so the guy started pouting. He was so upset, just sitting there pouting. And, and, and he, you know, someone has crossed him. He can't have his way. And so he's pouting. And his wife says, what in the world's wrong with you? And he said, oh, I just can't stand it. I want that vineyard of Naboth and all. And she says, well, Quit your pouting. I'll get you the vineyard if you want the vineyard. And so she ordered the men of the city to uh, gather together, and she hired a couple of guys to lie against Naboth. So the, the, the elders were gathered together, and Naboth was there, and these two men came in, and they bore false witness. They said, we heard this man curse the king and curse God. And so the penalty for cursing God, of course, was being stoned to death. And so with the two men bearing witness against him, lying as they did, they they killed Naboth. And of course, Jezebel just moved in and took his vineyard and gave it as a present to her husband. So the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, Arise and go and meet Ahab, the king of Israel, which is in Samaria. He's in the vineyard of Naboth. He's gone down to possess it. And you shall speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Have you killed and taken possession? And you shall speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine. So Ahab said unto Elijah, Have you found me, my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and take away your possession and cut off from Ahab all of his descendants. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like Basha. In other words, the dynasty, the family dynasty is going to be gone. And he also spake against Jezebel, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. And him that dies of Ahab in the city, the dogs will eat. Him who dies in the field, the fowls of the air, the vultures will eat. 
And there was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whose wife Jezebel stirred him up. There, there is none any worse than this king. They did very abominably in following idols according to all the things that the Amorites had done before them, the people that the Lord had cast out of the land. Now it came to pass when Ahab heard these words that he began really to live more carefully. He put on sackcloth, he fasted, and he lived very carefully. And so the Lord came to Elijah and said, these things will not happen in his days, but in the days of his children. So they went for three years without war between Syria and Israel. But it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, who was the king of the southern tribes, Judah, he came up to visit Ahab. And the king of Israel, that would be Ahab, said to his servants, Ramoth in Gilead is ours, and we be still and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses are as your horses. So Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Let's inquire of the Lord and see if we're to go to battle. So the king of Israel gathered his prophets together, and, and he said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. So Jehoshaphat said, Is there uh, the king from Judah said, Do you have any other prophet that we can ask? So he said, Oh, there's this one guy, Micaiah, but that guy never gives me a decent prophecy. He's always saying something evil. And he said, oh, don't say that. Let's call him in and see what he has to say. So uh, they, the, in the meantime, this one prophet, Zedekiah, made some iron horns, and he put them on his head, and he went running around with these iron horns on his head, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, with these shall you push the Syrians until you've consumed them. And all the prophets said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper the Lord is going to deliver it in the king's hands. So the messenger who went over to get uh, Micaiah spake unto him and said, Now look, all of the guys have given in good prophecy, so come on in and, and say something good. Don't, don't lay a heavy one on him, you know. So he said, the prophet answered, he said, As the Lord lives, I am only going to tell him, and I can only tell him what the Lord tells me to tell him. And what the Lord says, that's what I'm going to speak. So he came to the king. And the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we forbear? And no doubt he answered him in a very sarcastic way so that uh, Ahab realized that the guy was, you know, just, he probably said, just go and prosper, for the Lord is going to deliver it into the hand of the king. And, and he said it in such a way that he knew that the guy wasn't sincere. And he said, how many times have I told you don't tell me anything that is not true in the name of the Lord. He said, all right, you want to know the truth. I saw all of Israel scattered on the hills like sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. In other words, he is prophesying the death of Ahab. 
the shepherd over the people. The people are all scattered over the hills because their shepherd's been destroyed. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that this guy had given me a bad one? Never says anything good. And the prophet Micaiah went on to say, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and the host of heaven was standing by him on his right hand on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he might fall, be killed at Ramoth-Gilead? And one suggested this, another suggested another thing. And there came forth the spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, how? And he said, well, I will go forth and be a lying spirit in his mouth. And in the mouth of all of, I will go forth and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, that'll work. Go ahead. Very interesting thing. Micaiah's vision of heaven. I saw the throne of God. All of the hosts standing around God. God said, how are we going to get Ahab over there to Ramoth Gilead that he might fall there? And the angels were suggesting different things until one spirit came up and said, I've got an idea. What is it? Well, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. The Lord said, that'll work. Go ahead. Why would God commission a lying spirit? It doesn't seem, you know, quite oil. Something that we don't often consider is that, in a sense, Satan is a servant of God. He is serving God's purposes. That is why God has allowed him to exist. That's why God has allowed him freedom. He is acting in the sphere of his own free will, but yet the controls are ultimately held by God. We have made a tragic mistake in our thinking processes as we think of Satan as an opposite of God. Satan is not an opposite of God. God is an eternal, omnipotent, self-existent being. Whereas Satan is a created being and is in the rank of angels. So if you're looking for an opposite of Satan, you'd have to look at maybe Michael, one of the archangels. There would, you would have opposites, but in no way is he an opposite of God. No way does he rank even near God. He is existing under the total sphere of God, and though he is opposed to God, he is not an opposite of God in any sense of, of being an opposite to God who is, who is God, the eternal, omnipotent God. Satan is definitely limited in his understanding, in his abilities, in his powers. They are limited by God. God says, you can go so far, no further. Satan complained to God the fact of his limitations in, this, in the case of Job. You've put a hedge around that guy. You can't, I can't get to him. And he was complaining that, that God had 
put limitations on what he could do. So Satan is only allowed liberty within a limited spoke. God puts the limitations on him. But he does serve purposes of God. Thus, God can use and often does use Satan or his emissaries to fulfill God's purposes. Here's a case where God uses a lying spirit to fulfill his purpose. He comes and the false prophets give to Ahab these lies, encourage him to go against Ramoth Gilead. So Ahab then ordered the true prophet, Micaiah, said, put him in prison until I return in peace. And he said, if you return at all, then I'm not a prophet of God. So they headed for Ramoth Gilead. Jehoshaphat, the king from Judah, was going with Ahab. And as they were getting to Ramoth Gilead against the Syrians, Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, hey, you take my chariot and, 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 and all. I'm going to put on just the common guard. I want to get into the battle. And so he took off his king's robes in order that he might just really get into the battle himself. He was just sort of thirsting for a little excitement. And so uh, he left his chariot, the king's chariot, got in another chariot and, so that he could get into the thick of the battle. And in the meantime, the Syrian commander said to his fellows, now look, all we want's the king. So let's concentrate and get hold of, of Ahab. And if we kill him, then you know, the, the rest of people will be so demoralized that that's all we'll have to do. So they saw Jehoshaphat sitting in Ahab's chariot with Ahab's robe on. And so they figured it was Ahab, so they started to pursue the one chariot, and so Jehoshaphat started going on the lamb, you know. And these guys were chasing him because uh, they, they weren't really concentrating on battle, just on the one guy is all they wanted. And when they finally got up to him, they realized that it wasn't Ahab, that it was Jehoshaphat. But, and of course this is an interesting scripture, a certain man drew a bow at a venture. In other words, he just, you know, let go, let fly an arrow in the direction of their enemy. And actually, the arrow hit Ahab. And he turned to the driver of his chariot and he said, Turn and carry me out of the battle because I'm wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was propped up in the chariot against the Syrians, but he died at the evening time, and the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot. And there went a proclamation throughout all of the hosts about the time the sun was setting, saying, Every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood. And they washed his armor according to the word of the Lord, which he spake. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab, all that he did, the ivory house that he had made, all of the cities which he built, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. Interestingly enough, in the city of Megiddo, 
which was one of the cities that Ahab had, had rebuilt. Actually, at Megiddo, there are about 20 different levels of cities that have been built over cities. It's been a battleground of many ancient battles. And so when a city was, was destroyed, then they just build a new city on top. And they have dug down in one cut there, the archaeologists, and there are about 20 different civilizations or, or, or different levels of the city. Now, in the level that dates to Ahab's time, next to the temple of Bel, the ruins of the temple of Bel that Ahab built, they found several hundred jars with the skeletons of babies that had been sacrificed by their parents to Baal worship. This is what Jezebel and Ahab had introduced to the people and the archaeologists uncovered next to the ruins of the temple of Baal built in Megiddo by Ahab, these jars with these skeletons of babies sacrificed to this god Baal. We understand from this why God wanted this horrible religious system to be utterly wiped out. Because it did involve the sacrifice, the human sacrifice, their own babies, unto their worship of their God. So we come to the close of Ahab and his son Ahaziah reigned in his place. Now Jehoshaphat, and now shift gears. You remember last week we told you we have two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So meanwhile, back in the ranch, back in the southern kingdom. Now we spent a lot of time up in the north, not because of Ahab, but because of Elijah. Really, he became the central character of the story. And so a lot of print is given to Ahab only because of the fact that Elijah was a prominent character during this particular period of their history. But back in the southern kingdom, where the descendants of David are on the throne, Jehoshaphat, who was the son of Asa, who was a good king for the most part, began to reign over Judah in the fourth year that Ahab was reigning in Israel. So they were co-regents for quite a period of time. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 25 years. And he walked in all of the ways of Asa, his father, who I said was a fairly good king. He turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places for pagan worship were not taken away, for the people offered burnt incense yet there in the high places. And Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. You remember he had, he had come up and uh, was invited by Ahab to go in battle against Ramoth Gilead. So there was an alliance between the two kings. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, the wars and so forth, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Judah. So we will get that story when we get into Chronicles uh, because uh, we do have the Chronicles of the kings of Judah, though we do not have the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. And the remnant of the Sodomites, which remained in the days of his father Asa, he took out of the land. And 
there was then no king in Edom, but a deputy, that is in the area south of the Dead Sea and on the far bank, there was no king, only a governor over the land. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tharshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not, for the ships were broken up, no doubt in a storm, at Ezion-Geber. And so Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. And Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers, was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. Now Ahaziah, who was the son of Ahab, back up in the north, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And he reigned for two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of his father Ahab and in the ways of his mother, that wicked Jezebel. And he served Baal and worshiped him and provoked to anger Jehovah, the God of Israel, according to all that his father had done. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Kings 20-22 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the good hand of our Lord be upon you lead and to guide you in his way, that you might walk in his love, that you might be filled with his spirit, and that you might discover what is God's plan for your life, that which God would have for you this week. And may the Lord speak to you, and may you be very sensitive so that you begin to understand the voice of the Lord you might be led by the Spirit of God. God bless you. May He watch over you and keep you in His love. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. 
That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.